Hello, my friends, and welcome to another Cup of Joe podcast. It is Friday, October the 1st. We've made it to Friday. We've made it to October. Uh, My love and my blessings wherever you are, whenever you listen to this podcast, uh, I wish you every grace and joy today as we celebrate another feast day, of course, in this season of feasts, trademark Joe. Now, you may be thinking, Joe, why, why did you trademark that and why are you calling it that? Well, what a wonderful question, because we are in the middle of like the 1927 Yankees murderers row here. Um, we celebrated Vincent DePaul, right, on Monday. Took Tuesday to get a breather. You know, we just need one of those. Then Wednesday, we had uh, the Feast of the Archangels. Then yesterday, we had the Feast of St. Jerome. Today is St. Therese of Lisieux. Uh, okay, by the way, yesterday, Doctor of the Church. Today, Doctor of the Church. Tomorrow, if we were celebrating, if we did this, we would be celebrating the Feast of the Guardian Angels. Sunday is always a mini Easter, right? It sure is. And then Monday, we're uh, Francis of Assisi. It's like, how would you like to face that lineup, huh? That's my point. Season of feasts. Every time you say it, I get two cents. That's how this rolls. Um, Wonderful. I mean, again, this... This is a, we celebrate an incredibly humble and holy woman today. And I'll talk a little bit about her again. Like Jerome, she deserves far more. Uh, But I'll talk a little bit about her at the end of the podcast today. Uh, But it is not a high feast day. Uh, It uh, it doesn't mean it's a low one. It just means uh, we call it a memorial within the, the church. And so our readings stay the same. So today, uh, it is Luke chapter 10. We're going to follow up immediately from yesterday's reading. So a shorter one today than yesterday, Luke 10, 13 to 16, okay? So let's break open those four verses and see what our God has for us today. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus said to them, Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the mighty deeds done in your midst had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would long ago have repented, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And as for you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? You will go down to the netherworld. Whoever listens to you, listens to me. Whoever rejects you, rejects me. And whoever rejects me, rejects the one who sent me. My friends, the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So let's set the stage again a little bit beforehand. So if you listened to the podcast yesterday, you know this. But uh, Jesus kind of shifted gears. So what he's doing, he sent the 70, he brought 72 forward, which again, basically called forward these 72 disciples. These are beyond the apostles, the 12. So these are other followers. And that 72 number should basically think, you know, abundance, fullness. Okay. He's calling 72. He's sending them out in pairs. 
And he's saying, listen, don't greet anybody on the way. Don't be distracted from your mission. We got to go and, and pronounce that the kingdom of God is at hand here right now. And uh, wherever you go, you know, don't bring sackcloth. Don't bring money. Don't bring, you know, extra tunic or whatever, all those things. Wherever they, they, they give you to eat, you eat. And wherever they invite you to stay, you stay. And if, they, if you give them your peace, but they reject you, they don't want you to be there, you wipe the dust from your feet. You shake it. Trust me, he says, it'll be better for Sodom on that day than it is for that town. So that's where this picks up. So Jesus continues that woes. He started it yesterday with, hey, woe to that town who doesn't accept you uh, and doesn't accept your peace and doesn't want you. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, it'll be better for Sodom. He continues it here, right? That same pattern. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. Those are both Jewish towns, okay? If the mighty deeds done in your midst had been done in Tyre and Sidon, those weren't Jewish towns. He's saying, listen, if you who claim to be the followers of, of Moses, right, who are looking for the Messiah, if you are looking for the Messiah and, and, and these mighty deeds are being done in your midst, but you are not accepting them, you are rejecting them, let me tell you, had they been done in these pagan towns, in these non-Jewish towns, in these Greek towns like Tyre and Sidon, they long ago would have accepted them, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. It's going to be more tolerable for them on the Day of Judgment than for you because you had it in front of you and you claimed to be something that either you were not, you were fooling yourself, or you were looking in completely the wrong direction. And then he turns to his own hometown. I mean, my goodness. Again, the courage of this man. He turns to Capernaum. Uh, and you may say, well, I thought his hometown was Nazareth. You're right. He grew up in Nazareth. But when he turned 30 and began his ministry, it seems to be center, centered in Capernaum. And so he turns to Capernaum and says, you, will you be exalted to heaven? No, you will go down to the netherworld. For whoever, I mean, that's, this is big stuff because he's telling Capernaum, you haven't been listening. You haven't been listening and, and not just to his words, obviously, right? You haven't, been, you haven't been interpreting the signs of the times. You haven't been looking at these mighty deeds and seeing where, they, where do they point? Because, of course, the deeds never point just to the person, to Jesus. They always point beyond to God. And what does it tell us who God is? Who and who we are, right? And, and of course, who Jesus is. But then he says, whoever listens to you listens to me. And whoever rejects you rejects me. And whoever rejects me rejects the one who sent me, rejects God. So what do we make of this, brothers and sisters? Just a couple of things. Uh, again, I'm sure there's more. Just a couple of things for me, though. And, and the first is this. Um, how, how are we looking for God? How are we? You know, if, if we were, the, see, it's, I think it's easy for me. Don't want to say it's easy for you, but I think it's easy for me to look at it and say, oh, man, if I lived in Bethsaida, if I lived in, in Chorazin, if I lived in Capernaum, that wouldn't be a problem. I would have looked and seen Jesus, and I would have, I would have noticed. Maybe. 
Maybe we'll never know the answer to that, will we? But I know the end of the story. And I get 2,000 years of distance. And, and so it's easy for me to say that or think that. But the question is, would we have? Where are we looking for God? Brothers and sisters, here's, here's what I, 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 I think I know. I don't think God ever comes the same way twice. I think he doesn't say, listen, you know, I was born in Bethlehem in a stable, and so I'm, that's how I'm going to come into the world the next time I come. Or, or, you know, I came through a prophet saying things like this and using this imagery, and so the next time I come, that's how I'll speak again. Or, you know, I, uh, I used this image. I, I, I was in a burning bush over here, uh, and, and so that's how I'm going to come again. I don't think Moses had any idea what was going down. He didn't have any frame of reference that said, oh, yeah, there was a burning bush in Abraham, you know, in Genesis. And so that's what's happening here now. Or, or when they heard Ezekiel and he was doing crazy things that they're like, oh, yeah, that's right. Jeremiah did crazy things just like Ezekiel is and building these models of Jerusalem or cutting his hair or, or not speaking for a year. Yeah, that's right. Jeremiah did that. So this must be a prophet. No, no. He looked like a crazy man. That's what that looked like. But they had to discern beyond those things. And so do you and I now. Because God is, is just as present now, just as present now as the time of Ezekiel or the time of Moses. We need to know that, right? God is just as present now. That's what the 72 went out to say. The kingdom of God is at hand. God is just as present. How do we open ourselves? Because if we don't, if we expect God to come in whatever box you and I put out there, then Jesus will look at us and he would say the exact same thing he's saying to Chorazin, Bethsaida, and Capernaum. He's saying, listen, you're looking in the wrong direction. If the things that would have been done here would have been done in pagan towns, people who didn't have those same boundaries, people who didn't put me in a box, they would have repented. But you people, you're putting me in a box. You're putting God in a box. God's way too big for any box you and I can, can come up with. Brothers and sisters, we need to expand our understanding, our openness to how God comes and in ways God comes and through whom God comes and what means and, and tools and, 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 and such God can and will use. And, and I say this to me as I say this to you, but I know it to be true. I know it to be true. Are we open to God's newness? Ever ancient, ever new. Isn't that what Augustine said, right? Long have I loved you. Ever ancient, ever new. I think we focus on the first part. Ever ancient, okay? You can be found back there. That's how you are. Ever new. That's what this gospel focuses on today, ever new. And we need to be ready for that. And you know what? It's going to get you in trouble. It's going to get me in trouble. Because when we say, that's God, there are going to be many who say, I reject that thought. I reject your idea. Um, I reject uh, it because I have not seen it before. Our God continues to invite us out in faith and trust, taking nothing with us on the journey, 
only our vulnerability, only that spirit which he puts within us and that vision. Is that enough? It's got to be. It's got to be because that's what he invites us out into. Last thing I'll say before I talk about Therese, I like those last lines. Whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me. And whoever rejects me rejects the one who sent me. Listen, you and I, I suspect in our lives, we can't get to be the ages we are without being rejected a number of times. But here's the deal. Just because we're rejected doesn't mean we're doing the work of God. Doesn't mean, hey, good, I've been rejected, so therefore I must be you know, doing good things. <laughs> no, there are probably things I'm doing that deserve to be rejected. If people are rejecting the shadow side of me that I'm projecting, if people are rejecting that weeds that I carry within me, those poor habits and those addictions and those odd ways of, of approaching uh, life, that are not rooted in God and rooted in life, capital L, in the spirit, uh, rooted in Christ, rooted outside of me. If, if, if I'm rooted in me and not in God, yeah, that needs to be rejected. It needs to be rejected by me, first and foremost. But if I'm not rejecting it and I'm presenting that to the world and masking it as God, they need to reject that too. Because anything that is not of God is of me. You know, we talked last week how Jesus said, listen, if they're not against us, they're for us, which is wonderful. But you know, in another part of Scripture, he says, listen, if they're not for us, they're against us. And both are true. If all I'm doing is putting myself out there, and I'm not putting God out there, and I'm masking it as, as God, no, it needs to be rejected. Now, I... Uh, Here's, here's the best part, though. Again, we carry that spirit within us. I want to use a story that in, in preparing here today that I, I found, and I really kind of like it, and so I'm going to read it here, okay? A teacher of little children began her class on Jesus, saying, Today I want to tell you about someone you will want to meet. This person loves you even more than your closest friend loves you. This person is kinder than the kindest person you know. This person forgives you no matter how often you do wrong. As the teacher continued, she noticed a little boy in the last row getting more and more excited. Suddenly, the little boy could not contain himself any longer. He blurted out excitedly, I know the person you're talking about. He lives on our street. Isn't that a wonderful story? Brothers and sisters, that's... Now listen... If we love somebody more than the, uh, their closest friend can love them, and we're kinder to them, ki kinder than the, the kindest person they know, and we forgive them more than, than anybody they know, and people reject that, huh, huh, then they're rejecting Christ in us. And if they reject Christ in us, they're rejecting God. People are going to reject us. But the question is, what will we invite them to reject us for? For our own stuff? Our own baggage? Hmm. Yeah, let's not call that martyrdom. But if they reject us for those things, if we are that person, the one who lives down the street that somebody says, I know that one. I know that woman. I know that guy. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the risk worthy of being taken, right? That's worth being rejected for. Because then we're being rejected for something larger than ourselves. Namely, God, capital G, 
capital O, capital D, right? That's worth, that's martyrdom, and that's worth living for. Let's talk about Therese. So again, I, I, I know painfully little, and, and you know, uh, a week and a half ago or so, maybe even just, just over a week ago, if memory serves, it was last Wednesday or Thursday, we celebrated the feast day of, of St. Padre Pio. And I said he had a big cult, and I didn't use that cult in the, in the terms of, of modern day, you know, Jim Jones, you know, drink Kool-Aid. I, I use it in the, in the um, following, in the, in the definition of Padre Pio is a great following, a great number of people. Well, here's another one, Therese of Lisieux. And, and it's amazing if you think that this young woman has the following she does. And, and here's her life. I mean, and again, people know so much more than I do. And so forgive, I'm just going to scratch the surface. And, and she deserves far more. And if you've not read her autobiography, The Story of a Soul, I invite and urge you to do it. I read it as the pandemic began, first time, and, and just beautiful, beautiful. But here's her deal. At age 15, one five, she enters the Carmelites. Uh, and now, this young woman was only born. This is, you, know, you may think, oh, that was back in like the 400s. No, this was in 1888 she entered. Okay, so this is like just over 100 years ago. And she entered at the age of 15 and uh, died at the age of 24. She lived nine years of religious life in a cloistered Carmelite uh, monastery. She didn't go outside those walls at all. Uh, and, and yet, she has one of the biggest followings of any saint uh, in the history of our church. And we may say, that's crazy. Why is that? Because she exuded an understand, not even understanding, because that puts it in the mind. She exuded a holiness that was in incredible humility. And, and that's why they call her the little flower, right? That, that's, that, that is her nickname. She didn't give it to herself. She, uh, she is called the little flower. And I want to read this to you because this tells you so much about her. Now, this is from her, her autobiography. This is from a story of a soul, okay? Just a paragraph, but it says this. Jesus set before me the book of nature. I understand how all the flowers God has created are beautiful, how the splendor of the rose and the whiteness of the lily do not take away the perfume of the violet or the delightful simplicity of the daisy. I understand that if all flowers wanted to be roses, nature would lose her springtime beauty and the fields would no longer be decked out with little wild flowers. So it is in the world of souls, Jesus' garden. He has created smaller ones, and those must be content to be daisies or violets, destined to give joy to God's glances when he looks down at his feet. Perfection consists in, consists in doing his will, in being what he wills us to be. This beautiful, beautiful woman who died at the age of 24, who never went outside after the age of 15, the walls of this monastery, this Carmelite monastery. In her 
uh, simplicity. And what did her simplicity look like? It looked like, as we say, ora et labora, prayer and work. That's what the Carmelites consisted of. And you may think, well, the prayer was the holy part, and then the work is just what she did. She, in her simplicity and beauty, made both holy. She made everything she did holy. She even said something to the effect of, listen, I prefer the monotony of obscure sacrifice. And she was obscure. She was in this small monastery in France. I prefer the monotony of obscure sacrifice to all ecstasies, meaning to all the, the, the feeling that prayer could give. To pick up a pin, now this is her words again, to pick up a pin for love can convert a soul. She was so, I mean, in this paragraph, she, again, she says, perfection consists in doing God's will, in being what God wills us to be. And, and I love that image of the, of the, again, the little flower. That's what we call her, right? Because she was, said, I'm content to be that violet or that daisy who, when God gazes down at his feet and as he's walking through nature, sees it and sees its beauty and smells its perfume. And it's not a rose or a lily that detracts attention. That, that God makes souls, some big, some, large, some, some small. And we simply have to be content with who God made us. And she, in her incredible holiness and humility, was able simply to be this small person for God. And in her smallness, was incredibly large, right? In giving away herself, she found life. Not only for her, not only for her uh, uh, community, the Carmelites, but for us, the church and the world. This woman was named uh, the third woman doctor of the church. I, I, I want to say John Paul did it in 1998, give or take. Now, now don't quote me on that. Um, 1997, she was proclaimed a doctor of the church by John Paul. Uh, the only other women to that point in 1970, Catherine of Siena and Teresa of Avila. And now her. And, and why? Because she was an incredible writer and an incredible theologian? No. Because of her incredible humility and her honesty, being simply who she was. And being who she was, everyone around her could see God in her. Isn't that what it's all about? Isn't, isn't that what our gospel today points us to? Don't be, don't be who you're not. Right? Don't, don't look for God in places majestic. Maybe we look for him in the small. And that's enough. And allow that to change our spirit, to change our soul, to change our interior, and be content with who we are. And because of that, become someone new. Meaning, who we were meant to be in, in Christ. Brothers and sisters, we are grateful and, uh, and grateful for those men and women, particularly today, to Therese, for leading the way and showing us how that, that looks. Let's pray. We continue uh, through the joyful mysteries and, and finish those up today. And so we begin in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. The fifth joyful mystery, the finding of Jesus in the temple at age of 12. 
Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. O my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell. Lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. St. Therese, pray for us. My friends, thanks for uh, being present today and breaking open God's word and, uh, and just being open to learning more about uh, not only Therese, but, but uh, who we are in the midst of all this. May your weekend be filled with every good thing, uh, every joy, and uh, bless you, and I uh, hope that we can get back together again next week and break open more of God's Word together. God's peace.